You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Today, we're beginning a new series called Out of the Dark. It's based on the new book called Out of the Cave by Chris Hodges. We called it Out of the Dark because we thought Out of the Cave may confuse some people. (laughs) But some of you may have received a a mailer uh, in in the mail. We've had some postcards that went out. Maybe you uh, heard about us on social media. Maybe a friend invited you to be with us today. However you got here today, we're just so glad you're with us today because over the next few weeks, we're going to be having uh, an open talk about mental and emotional health. Uh, I think it's going to be a really, really powerful next few weeks. And I want to let you know that we have some resources available for you on our website. If you go to our homepage, redemptioncommunitychurch.org, and you scroll down, you'll see Out of the Dark. Uh, You'll see some serious resources there. First of all, we have the book uh, by Chris Hodges available uh, for you to order. You can can hit the Amazon link there. I'd encourage you to get the book. It's a great way to get the most out of this series. I think all of our first-time guests are getting a copy today at the welcome table. Uh, But get the book at our website. Um, I want to encourage you to join a life group. You heard the announcement about a life, uh, uh, joining a life group. Life groups are groups of people who are meeting all around Westchester and Connecticut to do life together, to grow together spiritually. And uh, we're going to be, many of our groups are going to be studying this series together. And so it's going to be a great way to, to really just get the most out of this. I believe something happens when we get into relationships, when we get into community, especially in this area of depression and mental health. We really need each other. So I would encourage you to check out a life group. They're also on the app. If you have our app, you can find a group. Uh, there's also a spot on our website where you can get in touch with our prayer team if you need prayer. And we also want to help you get connected if you need a Christian counselor. I want to say this up front. I am not a licensed therapist, okay? I'm not going to be dispensing like medical help throughout this series. I'm a pastor. I'm going to stay in my lane. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. But we partner with a wonderful organization called the Greenwich Center for Hope and Renewal. And we would love to get you connected with a Christian therapist, counselor, if you need one. And so take advantage of those resources on the homepage and get the most out of this series. You know, church, I don't think there's ever been a time when it's more important to address this topic than the time that we're living in right now. I mean, stress and anxiety and depression were already on the rise in our culture, and then 2020 happened. Hello, somebody. I mean, here we are just a few months away from 2022, and we're still processing 2020. Any of you guys seen those memes that are going around right now, right? Like, yeah, still processing 2020. And 2022 is coming up in just a few months. So 2020 happened, and calls to the National Mental Health Hotline went up 900%. 900%. Divorce filings were up 26%. According to the CDC, 25% of young adults under the age of 30 considered suicide, as well as 10% of the general population. Use of antidepressant medication has gone up 300% and continues to Increase. Depression has become the number one health problem in the world. And sadly, the church has not always been a safe place to talk about this topic, to address this topic. But I really believe we're called to be a part of the solution. I'll say that again, church. I really believe we're called to be a part of the solution. Come on, the church of Jesus Christ should always be a place where people can find wholeness and healing. And that's what we're believing for. We're believing for God to do a healing work in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts over these next few weeks. And so let me acknowledge two things that are really important right up front. Um, The first thing is this. Number one, I want to acknowledge that there are some very real 
biological factors that contribute to people experiencing depression and anxiety, right, and other, uh, other mental illnesses. There are some real biological factors that can only be treated with medication, and, and that's fine. We believe in that. If you need medicine, get medicine. If you need a therapist, get a therapist. Whatever you got to do, that, that's fine. But I want to say this. If we only address depression um, with, in the context of biological factors, then we're going to miss out on some other very real solutions, we're going to miss out on some very other real solutions. Let me put it to you this way. Depression is a signal. It's kind of like that check engine light. You ever get a check engine light on your dashboard? Some of you get that check engine light and you just try to ignore it, but it's right there, like, you know, red light flashing on your dashboard. Well, how many of you know that the, the signal isn't the problem? The check engine light's pointing to something else that's wrong with the vehicle that needs to be addressed. And I would say that that's very true often for depression. It's a signal pointing to some other area of, of your life that needs to be addressed. If you're depressed, you're not weak. You're not crazy. You're a human being with unmet needs in other parts of your life. And so that's part of what we're going to talk about today, some of these other unaddressed factors besides the, the biological and genetic factors surrounding depression. Here's the second thing I want to address and acknowledge, that there's often a stigma associated with depression and mental illness. And we really need to do away with that stigma as a culture. We need to do away with that stigma. You know, if, if I broke my arm, if you broke your arm, you would go to a doctor because that arm needs to be treated, needs to be set, needs to be put into a cast. It would be, you, would, you know, you would uh, go to a doctor because you need some extra care. It needs to be treated. Well, sometimes our minds need extra care. How many of you know that's true? Sometimes our minds need to be treated. You, you, mental illness does not define a person. A person's illness is not their, their complete identity. And so let me say that to you today, church. Your, your illness, if you're struggling with depression or, or anxiety or some, some mental disorder, that is not your identity. I believe God wants us to experience freedom. Come on. This is why Jesus came. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so let's do away with this, this stigma, and let's get open and honest and real and talk about something that so many of us are dealing with. I know many of you, maybe even right now, uh, certainly maybe if you're not right now, you've been through a season. I have. I've been through a season where I've, I've experienced depression, and I'll be talking some more about that in, in this series. And so, hey, let's address it, and let's believe for God to do a healing work in our lives. In fact, many people of faith in Scripture experience depression. How many of you remember the great prophet Jeremiah in the Bible? There's a book of the Bible named Jeremiah. Well, he also wrote another book of the Bible. It's called Lamentations, where he laments. He basically wrote a whole book about his depression. The Apostle Paul said in, in uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, that, that we despaired of life. Hello, that sounds like depression to me. Today, we're going to look at the story of one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, Elijah. Elijah was a great man of God, a miracle worker, someone who spoke on behalf of God. He loved God. He had experienced the faithfulness of God, and yet he struggled at times with depression. Now, let me give you a little bit of the context of Elijah's life. When, when he, uh, during his life, he lived during the reign of a very wicked king, King Ahab, and a wicked queen, Queen Jezebel. You may have heard of them before. And uh, what made them so wicked is that they ha had allowed, under their rule and reign, they had allowed idol worship and the worship of false gods to become prevalent, and Israel had largely become unfaithful to the worship of the one true God. And so Elijah had some really difficult and some tough 
you know, prophecies against their, their rule. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah has a showdown with 850 false prophets. He has this amazing victory, and all these uh, false prophets are put to the sword. I mean, it's this amazing chapter. You have to go read it for yourself. But here's Elijah coming off this uh, amazing, like, supernatural victory, this emotional and, and spiritual victory. And then he receives a threat that sends him into an emotional spiral. So let's pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. Here's what it says. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Come on, how many of you have ever prayed a prayer like that before? Lord, I'm done. I give up. I can't do it anymore. That's exactly what Elijah was experiencing. Here he is. He comes off this great spiritual high, this great victory over all of these false prophets, and he gets this one threat from this evil queen that sends him into a spiral. But we're going to take a little closer look at this text, and here's what we're going to see. Elijah actually experiences five things that contribute to him getting into what Chris Hodges calls in his book, he calls it the cave of depression. I think a cave is a really good metaphor for depression. If you think about it, it's dark, it's lonely, it's disorienting. You're feeling things, but you can't quite feel your way out. You can't quite find your way out. You know there's a way out. That's a really good metaphor for depression. And so we're going to look at this story, and we're going to notice some of the things that Elijah experienced that contributed to him getting into the cave. Now, once again, we want to acknowledge that there are some very real biological factors beyond our control, but I have good news for you today. There are some things that are within our control when it comes to our emotional and mental well-being. Can I just encourage you today, church? Because sometimes we feel stuck. Sometimes we feel like it's always going to feel this way. Sometimes we feel like we don't know what to do. I came to church to encourage somebody today. There are some things that we can address. Come on, with, with wisdom, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the encouragement of others, there are some things that we can do that are within our control to help us find freedom. And so we're going to talk about those today, and I want to invite you to take some notes. I want to talk to you about five factors that cause us to get into the cave of depression. Now, next week, we're going to talk about how to get out, and we're going to address some of that today. And so I want to invite you to come back for week two for sure. But today, I want to talk about five, five factors that can lead us to, to get into the cave of depression. So I want to invite you to take some notes. If you have the Redemption app, you can get that out. If you don't have it, you can get it from our website. There's a spot where you can take notes every week. Number one, first thing, five factors that contribute to, to getting into the cave of depression. Here's the first one, life imbalances. Come on, turn to someone and say, life imbalances. Life imbalances in this crazy, fast-paced world we're living in. The British writer and journalist, Johan Hari, wrote these words in his book, uh, Lost Connections. He said this, we need to talk less about chemical imbalances and more about the imbalances in the way we live. Ooh, mic drop. <laughs> Boom. Life imbalances. You know, more and more 
research is, is pointing to our lifestyle factors as one of the main factors contributing to depression. I want you to notice this about Elijah. Elijah was afraid. He received this threat, and what did he do? He ran for his life. He runs for his life. The text says that he ran all the way to a town called Beersheba. He literally traveled about 100 miles. He ran as far as he could, and he wore himself out. Church, there are some of you who have been running way too fast and way too hard for way too long, and part of the reason you're experiencing what you're experiencing is is you're burnt out. Come on, New Yorkers are a little bit famous for this, aren't we? The pace of life, it catches up. Yeah, modern day life is catching up to us. We're starting to find out that the the pace of life is not always serving us well. In fact, uh, Stephen Ilardi wrote this in his book, The Depression Cure, We were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food-laden, sleep-deprived, frenzied, modern pace of life. Do you think that list of things has something to do with our our well-being, our emotional and mental well-being? We should really be paying attention to to the pace of our lives, to to our life balance. So what do we do, right? What what do we do? Do we quit our job? Do we give up? What do we do? Well, you have to start evaluating your lifestyle and your priorities. Let me give you a scripture that just, just brings so much wisdom, so much clarity. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. Come on, we're after tranquility, church. Look at that. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. We live in a culture that says if one is good, two is better. If one luxury vehicle in the driveway is good, two is even better. If one home is good, two is even better. If one spouse is good, two spouses... Wait, don't do that. That's not good. That's not good. Just making sure you're paying attention, okay? But we live in the culture of more. More, right? If one is good... If one job is good, then i got to have a side hustle as well. And here's what the wisdom of Scripture would say. We might want to take a look at this. Maybe it's better to have one handful with tranquility. One handful with peace in your home. One handful and have a happy marriage where you look forward to coming home. Maybe one handful and you actually know your kids and love your kids and have a relationship with them. One handful and you actually have peace in your life. You're healthy. Your emotions are healthy. You have mental, a strong, healthy state mentally and you're in a good place. Then two hands full with burnout and divorce and strife and loneliness and isolation. Come on, there's some wisdom here, church. And so we got to look at how we're balancing our lives. We have to look at our approach to life and start making some, some decisions about our, our priorities. It's an area that's been neglected we got to pay attention to. Number two, we're talking about five factors that, that contribute to us getting into the cave. We're thinking of this picture, right, the cave of depression, this dark place. Number two is comparing ourselves with others comparing ourselves with others. Notice in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, Elijah says, I'm no better than my ancestors. He gets to the end of the speech and he says, I'm no better than my ancestors. Like, why was he even comparing himself to his ancestors? See, comparison is one of those self-inflicted factors that can contribute to depression. In fact, Teddy Roosevelt said this, comparison is the thief of joy. Boy, that's, that's a quote worth writing down. Take a picture of that one. Comparison is the thief of joy. Isn't that so true? That's what happens. We compare ourselves to other people, to other people's circumstances, and we end up losing our joy. 
You know, social media is one of the best things and one of the worst things ever created by humanity. How many of you know that's true? It has the ability to bring us together, and you can keep in touch with your loved ones and see pictures of your friends whose kids you would never see if you didn't have social media. But we all know that the downside is it can, it can divide us. We all know there's a lot, of, a lot of downsides to social media, and we know that comparison is one of those factors. Come on. We all know what happens on social media, right? We all post our highlights. Social media is our highlight reel. I know mine is. I have pictures of vacations and hanging out in the cities and going out on hikes. I look at my own social media, and I'm like, I want to live that guy's life, right? I don't post pictures of me like on bad days, like me yelling at my kids. Here's a reel of me yelling at my kids, right? Here's a reel of your pastor doing chores around the house with a bad attitude. No, I post my highlight reels just like everybody else. How many have seen those, those uh, posts like Instagram versus reality? <laughs> like there's a, a family picture, right? It's like the perfect family picture. And then they show you behind the scenes, right? Like it was so hard corralling all the kids, yelling at the kids, getting them to sit still for a picture. And so what happens is we end up comparing our, wor- our worst moments to everyone else's highlight reels, don't we? This is what we do. We go on social media, and we look at everybody else, and we see their family picture, and we think, oh, my gosh, they just have such a well-behaved, nice, like, very well-mannered picture. Look, look at their family. Look, my kids, I, like, I had to hold them at gunpoint to get them to take the picture. <laughs> their kids look perfect. My kids are missing teeth in the picture. Like, what's up, right? Or, oh, you know, you went on your vacation, and your vacation was nice until you saw the vacation they went on, right? Look at their vacation. Look at the house they live in. I didn't know they had that kind of money. Look at the car they, they just bought, right? Look at them cooking gourmet meals. I'm over here just trying to throw something in the microwave. I'm so tired. And they're cooking like gourmet food network meals. Come on, how many of you have that person in your feed? Like every meal is perfect. It's like, where do you have the time for this? And you know what happens? We begin to compare ourselves. We compare our worst moments to someone else's highlight reel, and and we begin to lose our joy. When church, the reality is that we are among the most blessed people on the planet. We are among the most blessed people on the planet. But when we compare ourselves to other people, we end up losing, losing our joy. We end up feeling so inadequate. And parents, can I just tell you, be careful with how much time your kids kids spend on on social media. I'm not going to tell you they shouldn't have it at at, at all, but all the research is pointing to to parents needing to be very careful to how social media is affecting our kids and the way they compare themselves to other people. Let's pay really close attention to this. And adults, we need to pay close attention to this idea of comparison as, as well. Come on, it is the thief of joy. And let me just give you one antidote. This wasn't in my notes today. This is bonus content for you today. Let me give you one antidote. Practice gratitude, when you begin to feel complaining getting into your soul, when you begin to find yourself looking at other people and thinking they have it better than you, begin to recount the goodness of God. Start with the simple things. God, thank you that I slept in a warm bed last night. God, thank you that I have a roof over my head. God, thank you that I took a warm shower today. God, thank you for this cup of coffee. Amen, somebody. God, thank you for this breakfast. I'm telling you, I practice this. I teach my kids this. I teach my kids this. This is something so, something so powerful about that. It'll change your day. It'll change your life. Start doing it in the morning. Start thanking God for all the things that you've always taken granted for because I promise you there's somebody in some other part of the world that wishes they had what you had. They wish they had your life. We're blessed. We're blessed. And so comparison can become one of those things that robs our, our joy and our mental peace. Is this helping anybody? Number three, we're talking about five factors that get us into a dark place. Number three is ruminating and self-talk ruminating and self-talk. Now, later on, 
in Elijah's story, we're going to look at this, these verses next week, he complains to God and he says, I'm, basically, I'm the only faithful prophet of God left. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 14, he says this, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. It's just me over here all by myself, all by myself. Elijah talks himself into believing something that wasn't even true, wasn't even true. You know, it's been said that the worst lies we believe are the lies we tell ourselves. Elijah tells himself a, a lie, and he believes it. What Elijah does is he was doing what psychologists call ruminating. Everybody say ruminating. Ruminating is, is where you take your distress and, and you think it through, you think about it, and you process it over and over again, but it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. <laughs> You think about it, and you kind of get into this loop where you're ruminating, and you're, you're processing it over and over again, and it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. In fact, you know, ruminating is what a cow does. A cow is known as a ruminating animal. You know, cows, I, I didn't grow up around a farm or anything, but cows actually chew the cud. You know what that means? Cows actually eat grass. They, they, they take a mouthful of grass. They chew on it. They swallow it. This is kind of gross, but this is true. Then they bring it back up. They regurgitate it. They chew on it some more. Then they bring it back down and digest it and bring it back up again. How many of you know every time it comes back up, it doesn't get any better? And the same thing is true of your negative thoughts. <laughs> every time you bring that situation back up and mull over it, it doesn't get any better. And so this is what so often happens to us. Something stressful happens to us, maybe at work, you know, we have a stressful situation, or maybe we get a bad performance review, or we have an episode with a coworker, or we have a strained relationship with someone, or somebody says something to us that bothers us, that hurts our feelings, and we begin to replay it over and over again in our minds. And we're so focused on how awful we feel about it, but we're not focused on the solution. Does this happen to anybody? Am I the only one? We find ourselves kind of looping over to replaying the situation, replaying the details of the situation over and over again. And it's not changing the situation. You can't go back. Looping it in your mind doesn't give you the opportunity to go back and do anything different. And so the situation isn't getting any better. It's only getting worse. And then we have an internal conversation with ourselves, what we might call self-talk. Come on. Can we all admit that we talk to ourselves? We all do it, okay? Sometimes you ask yourself questions and even answer. <laughs> There's multiple personalities in there. <laughs> we all do it. We all talk to ourselves. And be careful with the things you're saying to yourself. Be careful with, with your inner dialogue, your inner conversation, because this is what happened to Elijah. This is what Elijah did. He got alone in his thoughts, and the story got worse and worse. What happened to him as he repeated it to himself, as he had a conversation with himself, as he ruminated, the story only got worse. He said, I'm the only one left, but this actually wasn't even true. Earlier in the scripture, it says that there were thousands who were still faithful to God. In fact, the motivational speaker, Brian Tracy, said this. He said, 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. Wow. Pay attention to your inner dialogue. We've got to get the word of God into our inner dialogue. We've got to get the word of God into, into those thoughts, the self-condemnation. When we're beating ourselves up, you've got to get the word of God into your inner dialogue. This is why the Apostle Paul wrote something so powerful in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. He said this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of 
peace will be with you. Church, did you pay attention to that list? That's a really good scripture to meditate on this week. Are you putting things into your mind that are noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable? If you're not, if you're robbed of peace, maybe it's because you're putting things in your mind that aren't attracting the peace of God. Because when we meditate on these things, the the God of peace, not just the peace of God, but the presence of God himself will be with you. That's how you attract the presence of God into your life. And so you control your mind, control your thoughts. And for many of us, our thoughts are what's contributing to to depression. It's this ruminating. It's this this self-talk. Let me just give you two quick, really practical tips. You, You need to process with someone else. Someone else who's a trustworthy person who cares about you, who loves you. A Christian brother or sister would be a really good place to start. Someone you can trust that will help you break out of the ruminating in your own inner conversation who can speak words of life over you. How many of you know that's powerful when somebody can speak words of hope and life? Not solve all your problems, but be a listening ear and speak words of life over you. The second thing is you got to replace what the enemy tries to bring into your mind with the promises of God over your life. When the enemy tells you you've got this bill, how are you going to pay it? Your finances are going to wreck, are, are going to be, you know, you're, you're, not going to be, you're never going to be able to get a debt. You're, you're in trouble. No, no, no. My God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You're feeling alone. You're feeling fearful. You feel like you can't do it. No, no, no. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God, you are with me. Begin to speak the word of God into your inner dialogue. Number four, we're talking about these factors that contribute us to us ending up in, in the cave. Number four is the inability to process pain in a healthy way. The inability to process pain in a healthy way. See, all of us are experiencing pain in some way. All of us have experienced pain in some way. All of us are experiencing some level of pain in our lives right now. The question is, is what do you do when that happens? Not if, but what do you do when that happens? So you can either process pain in a healthy way or you can process pain in an unhealthy way. And so we want to make sure we're doing it in a healthy way. According to the Washington Post, during the initial quarantine of 2020, uh, overdoses jumped nationally 18% in March, 29% in April, and 42% in May. Here's the reality. Everybody is treating their pain in some way. Come on, how many of you know that's true? Everybody's medicating their pain in some way. Either it's going to be healthy or it's going to be unhealthy. For some people, it's drugs. For other people, it's drinking too much. For some people, it's overeating. Hello, we all do a little ice cream therapy every now and then. I'm just saying. Excessively binge-watching Netflix or scrolling. Now, we all know there's sometimes we need to get in bed and just watch some Netflix, but there becomes a point at which you're starting to numb yourself, just scrolling and scrolling, binge-watching over and over again. For some people, it's overworking. You know, overworking is the only way of dealing with it unhealthy that people will actually celebrate. You know, people will pat you on the back and tell you you're doing a great job when you're working yourself into the ground. And some people do it as a coping mechanism. You're either going to deal with your pain in a healthy way or in an unhealthy way. You know, one of the best books I ever read on this idea of how to process pain is a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl. Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl, one of the greatest books of all time. Uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl was a, a Jewish psychiatrist from Austria who lost his family in, in the Holocaust. He was actually in Auschwitz at one time. He lost various family members in different concentration camps. And he had a different theory than his Austrian counterpart, Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Sigmund Freud claimed that the goal of life was pleasure. Dr. Frankel came along and said, no, 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 no. The, the goal of life is to have a purpose, and if you don't have purpose, you'll dull yourself with pleasure. 
Oh, come on, how many of you know that's true? If you don't have purpose, you'll dull your life with pleasure. I I believe that absolutely. We see so much of that all around us, people dulling their lives away with pleasure because they don't have purpose, only to find out that what they thought was pleasurable doesn't bring them pleasure long term. And after World War II, he worked with Holocaust survivors. Can you imagine the level of trauma they were dealing with? He was helping people process their, their pain, and he never lost a single patient to suicide. He actually developed a a, a therapy, a philosophy called logotherapy, and he helped people to find purpose in in three ways. I don't have these on the screen today, but maybe you want to write these down or think about these three ways he gave them to help them process their pain. The first one is meaningful work. He said you have to find meaningful work. You need something to do with your life that matters. You need something outside of yourself that matters. And can I just tell you really quick, quick advertisement for the dream team. We had team day last week, and thank you to so many of you who signed up for a team. Can I just tell you that this is part of the secret sauce of why we encourage people to get on a team and to serve. Could we use your help around here? Absolutely. Does our church work a whole lot better when the dream team is robust and filled, filled with volunteers? Absolutely. But here's the truth. We want something for you, not from you. There's something about serving and working and doing something with purpose and meaning that is good for your soul. And so sometimes we get in this funk when we're, our emotions are out of control and our mental state's not in a good place and we get so self-absorbed. But sometimes you got to do something outside of yourself to serve someone else. You need some meaningful work in your life. The other one is to have a community of friends who love you unconditionally. To have other people to belong to a circle of friends and family. This is why we want to encourage you to get plugged into a life group. Some of you need to find your your spiritual family to do life with. And so I want to encourage you, go out there in the lobby today. Get signed up for a life group. Give it the next few weeks as we do this study. Just try it out over the next few weeks and see how... It makes a difference in your life as you begin to get intentional about relationships. The third thing is that, he, that Dr. Frankel gave his patients is he encouraged all of them to take whatever suffering they were experiencing and to use it to help someone else. That there's a redemptive aspect to your pain and your suffering. In fact, the scripture speaks to this. The apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter, thir- uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. Come on, he's the God of all comfort. And he not only meets you in your struggles, he not only meets you in your pain and comforts you, but he's the God who comforts you so that we can comfort somebody else who's in a time of trouble. Church, I want you to know today there is purpose in your pain. Come on, your life experience doesn't disqualify you. No, it qualifies you to help somebody else who's going through the same thing. Can I just tell you today, somebody needs your story. Come on, church, somebody needs your story. Somebody needs what you've been through. You came through bankruptcy. You came through a divorce. You came through losing someone. You came through cancer. You came through sickness. And sometimes we feel beat up. Sometimes we feel less than. Sometimes we feel inadequate. Sometimes we're still sorting it out. You think, Pastor, if you only knew my story, I want to tell you God wants to recycle your adversity and turn it into a ministry. Somebody needs your story. Somebody needs what you've been through. There's purpose in your pain. There's purpose in your pain. He's the God who comforts you. And then he takes your life. He takes what you've been through, and he uses it to comfort someone else. Come on, we've got to find healthy ways to process the pain. Maybe, you gotta, maybe it's time to reach out to a therapist. Maybe it's time to get into a life group. We've got to find healthy ways to, to deal with our pain. And then here's the fifth one. The fifth one, we're talking about these five factors that contribute to us getting into a dark place. The fifth one is isolation and loneliness. 
isolation and loneliness. Look at this, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. It says, when he, Elijah, came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He left his servant there. See, Elijah did what so many of us do, and it's a trap. He isolated himself when he was vulnerable. How many of you know that Elijah was weary? Elijah was tired? Elijah's life had been threatened? That was the time that he needed some brothers and sisters around him. That was the time he needed somebody in his corner to be encouraging him, praying him. But he left, and he got alone, and he got isolated. And I know many of you, that, that's your temptation. It's so easy for you to get into a place where you feel so isolated isolate and alone with whatever you're feeling and the thoughts that you're experiencing. And I think if there's one thing that we learned in the era of social distancing, that's how much we need each other, how much we need human beings in our lives. Whether you're a people person or not, how much we need a human touch how much we need somebody to encourage us, how much we need a hug every now and then. You know, I remember when the pandemic first hit and church was shut down because we were locked down. I'm, I remember Amy and I, we started jumping on Facebook Live and just doing kind of updates and just checking in on people. And so many people were just jumping on because we all just wanted to, just to be connected some kind of way, right? Like even if it was just on Facebook Live, in the comments, like just the, the longing for human connection. It was such a reminder of how much we, we need each other. And we took it for granted, didn't we? Until a pandemic hit and helped us to realize like we, we need this. Church, I want to tell you today, you were not meant to do this alone. You were not meant to do this by yourself. If you were meant to do this by yourself, God would not have dreamed up this idea of the church. What God is doing in the world, he's doing through his church. There's no plan B. There's only plan A. It's a family. It's a body. It's something we need to belong to. We need each other. We need each other. And so I want to invite you to go on this journey with us over the next few weeks as we teach through this series. In fact, I want to invite you to come back next week. Next week, we're going to talk about how do we get out? How do we get out of the darkness? What are some of the things we, we can do? We've identified some factors that are within our control today, but what are some steps we can, we can take? And we're going to come back and, and hit some of these over the next few weeks. But we're going on this journey together. Come on, whether it's your first time here or whether you've been here for years, I want to invite you to really feel a part of this, this thing. The reason we threw the doors open today to have this grand opening is to welcome you, especially the, the, the person who's new to our church today, newer to our church, first-time guests. Just come on this journey with us. And I really believe that together we're going to find hope and healing and purpose. And we really believe around here at Redemption that we're better together. It's a beautiful, yeah. There's a beautiful wall wrap around here. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure you, you make your way around the lobby as you, you check out our facilities today. There's a beautiful picture there that shows our church family doing life together, and it says better together. And that's something we really believe here at Redemption. And I believe when it comes to this area of our emotional health, of our mental health, I really believe we're much better together than when we're isolated. And so I want to say this to you today. It's okay to not be okay. Like if this, this is a safe place. I believe the church of Jesus Christ is a place where we can find healing. It's, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to do it by yourself. It's not okay to isolate. It's not okay to, to just give up. We want to encourage you to, to get help. It's not okay to not give, get help. And I believe God has so much more for you. Come on, I want to tell you, church, I believe God can meet you. I believe he can touch you. I believe God can do a healing work in your life. And here's how I know it. I know it because he's done it for me. He's done it for me. A few years ago, I, I, I was in the cave, bad. A few years ago, I was in a dark place, and I had experienced every one of these factors. In fact, it was the backdrop to starting this church. <laughs> the backdrop to starting this church. People look at all the success today, but let me just tell you, there was a season of darkness before 
all these good things began to happen. And I experienced so many of these these things, isolation and pain that I was processing and not finding healthy ways to to deal with my my pain and ruminating and looping and everything that that we talked about. But God did a work in my life. He showed up. He did a work in my life. He brought healing to my heart. He gave me a church family. He put people in my life. He gave me a renewed purpose. Can I just tell you the best thing I ever did to cure my depression was open this church up and get this thing going. My healing started when I stepped into my purpose. My healing started when I stepped into my purpose and when I flung the doors open six years ago when we launched this church. That's when my healing began. And so I'm believing that God is going to do a healing work in your life as you embrace all that he has for you. Amen. Hey, would you stand with me? I want to pray for you today. Church online, just stay locked in with us. You're praying with us. We know you're with us in spirit today. Come on, let's pray. I'm believing for God to do a healing work in your life over the next few weeks. I want to invite you to be back. I want to invite you to get plugged into a life group. Go on this journey with us. But let's pray together right now. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. And Lord, today we are believing. We are believing that you're going to show us how to be healthier. God, I know we're all at different places today in our journey with mental health, with emotional health. But God, we know that you're going to give us wisdom to address these factors that are within our control. Lord, I pray that you help us today. I know so many of us feel like we don't have control. Maybe we feel helpless today. But God, I thank you that with your help, with your help, God, we're going to move forward into our purpose, into community, into relationships, into wholeness, into healthy ways to process the pain. Father, I pray for the healing touch of Jesus over your people today. Every person, Lord, today, let hope begin to be restored. Let this be day one of hope beginning to be restored, that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that there is joy in the future, there's peace in the future. Father, I speak freedom and healing and wholeness over every person in this place today, and we anticipate you to do a great work in our lives. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, would you say Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.